Perak Dalad, Mishnah Zion, Chapter 4, Mishnah 7. This is the final Mishnah of the fourth chapter. Ein motzien es ha'ur lo min ha'etzim, velo min ha'avonim, velo min he'ofar, velo min ha'mayim. This is a very important ruling. One may not produce fire on Yom Tov from wood, in other words, by rubbing two pieces of wood together, stones, by striking two stones together, or earth, for example, with hard earth, which when you dig it, somehow it produces a form of spark. Uh, nor, the, nor can you produce a fire through water by filling a glass container with water and placing it in the sun and then putting tinder underneath the glass so that it burns the tinder. So all of these are fire-producing acts and therefore they're forbidden on Yom Tov because it's only allowed on Yom Tov to light a fire from one which is already burning. You're not allowed to start a new fire. A different ruling. The Enmelabnin one is not one may not heat up, literally whiten in a fire, um, roof tiles to but in order to be able to roast on them. And the Talmud explains that this law refers to these to new roof tiles, and therefore it's forbidden to heat them because it hardens them and through doing so improves their quality. The Ode Omarbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer, besides for in the previous Mishnah, where he had a lenient ruling with regards to chips of wood and what's considered to be uh, mukta or not, set aside for the Yom Tov or not. So here Rabbi Eliezer has a further lenient ruling regarding Yom Tov. He says, Omed Adam al-Hamukta, Erev Shabbos Bashavias. A person can stand in a mukta. A mukta is a place where figs and grapes are being laid out to dry. And you have to stand in such a place before Shabbat um, on the Shemitah year, in the seventh year, in the seventh year cycle. And you say, and you can say the following, that from here, from this area, I'm going to eat tomorrow. Now, just to clarify the, the example over here, this in theory could happen on any Arab Shabbat. You know, stand before Shabbat and you want to kind of designate something so it's not considered to be muksa on Shabbat, it's not considered to be set aside, not for Shabbat use. Um, but it talks about particularly um, on the seventh year, in the, in the Shemitah year, because normally when you lay out um, fruits to dry, tithes may not have been taken from them and it's pr- prohibited to take tithes on Shabbat or in fact on Yom Tov. And... Um, and of course, if you haven't taken tithes, you're not allowed to eat them. So it refers over here specifically where this happens in the Shemitah year, where there are no tithes. So simply you could come and take and eat them. And the only problem is, is that they may have been set aside not for Shabbat use in this particular example. So according to Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer the way you make them de- um, non-mukta, in other words, the way you make them designated for Shabbat use, is you can stand by them just before Shabbat, and say, Mikan ani I'm going to eat from here tomorrow. However, the sages said, no, that's not enough. Ad mikan Until he actually marks it off somehow and says that I'm eating from here to here. Only then one may eat on the Shabbat this fruit that was left out to dry. According to one opinion, the principle underlying this particular dispute 
is a, a concept called Breira. And what Breira is, is, is the following. Basically, Rabbi Leza holds that when a person takes the fruit on Shabbat, it is retrospectively designated as the food which he had prepared before Shabbat. So he's got this big field or area of dried fruits. He didn't specify which ones he was going to take. But since he said, I'm going to eat from here somewhere, tomorrow when he comes back the next day and chooses a specific group, we can say retrospectively that those were the ones that he set aside. Whereas the sages say, though, they don't accept this principle of Brera, and therefore you have to specify already from beforehand, saying before Shabbat which exact ones, which exact area you're planning to take from.